Good morning, uh, folks, on this um, second Saturday in Lent and a continuation of the series uh, on Wondrous Encounters, Scriptures for Lent, a book written by Richard Raw. And today's, uh, today's episode sorry, reward, is called Rewards and Punishments Are Inherent. And the scriptures are Ezekiel 18 to 18, chapter 18, verses 21 to 28, and Matthew chapter 5, verses 20 to 26. And as usual, I'm just going to go through and read the passage in the book. Often Christians dismissed the Eastern notion of karma as something pagan, fatalistic, or unbiblical. Actually, we said the same thing, but just in different ways. And both of today's readings are good examples of our different ways. The rather universal universal notion of karma is simply saying that what goes around comes around. Nothing just goes away in the world of the spirit, but reaps its own good fruit, or eventually bears the seed of its own destruction. Just wait long enough, and it's always true. The prophet Ezekiel is making just such an advance in 6th century BC, Jewish thinking here. He moves the whole notion of rewards and punishments up to the now, and to the individual level. Up to this point, human consciousness, largely thought of in terms of collective retribution or victory, the individual did not matter that much. So this is a major move forward in our understanding of the importance of each human soul now. Ezekiel is saying loudly and strongly that your human life matters. Your personal decisions and choices do define you. You have worth. You are valued, both individually and now. This gives a necessary significance, dignity and urgency to the whole human journey. Then Jesus, surely familiar with Ezekiel, spells out the same notion of inherent reward and punishment for his own contemporaries. Yet he goes even one step further and now localizes the core problem inside of the human person. Human consciousness is ready to be invited by him beyond mere external observances of rights and wrongs to inner attitudes, motivations, judgments, and opinions. If those are wrong or negative now, you are already in Gehenna, which is the perpetually burning garbage dump outside the dung gate of Jerusalem. Sounds like a lovely place. And if you can exceed the holiness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will be in the kingdom of God. Now and also later. We must not hear such readings as these as an either as a threat or a prize, 
but rather as an invitation to human consciousness and the dignity of free will. The Ezekiel reading, I'll read verse 21 to you. If a wicked person turns away from the evil and does what is right and just, they will surely live. They shall not die. None of the crimes they committed will be held against them. And then Matthew 5, 20, I'll read 21 to 22. You have heard the commandment imposed on your forefathers. You shall not commit murder, and every murder, murderer shall be liable to judgment. What I say to you is, everyone who even grows angry with his brother or sister shall be liable to judgment, and whatever holds him or her in that content, contempt risks the fires of Gehenna. This is, um, this is also, again, not an easy uh, passage to extract a message out of, but I'm going to do my best. So Richard uh, starts this passage by talking about karma and saying uh, that, it, you know, it's not this um, strange concept uh, by maybe people who from some kind of weird spirituality um, and uh, although it was dismissed by the Eastern Church we actually do um, live uh, we live around karma every day in our everyday lives even today and he, he uh, likens it to the saying that we all know very well that what goes around comes around um, so he's actually what this whole passage is saying that uh, rather than obeying laws and commands we need to have this moral um, identity within us so that we automatically do the right thing and if we do the right thing then we will be rewarded and be able to live in the kingdom of God but if we choose to do the wrong thing and to um, hurt someone or to be in contempt of someone, we're going to end in, up in that hot dung heap that uh, um, Ezekiel talks about at the end of his passage. So this passage from Ezekiel, is, uh, which he wrote in the 26th century uh, before Christ, is actually something that we are living with today and it's the whole thing of rewards and punishments uh, right up to the individual level um, and uh, Richard is telling us that um, the individual didn't matter much in those days it was kind of um, a collective retribution or a collective victory of groups of people but he's saying that now today there's been a change and the individual and the individual conscious conscience and um, inner godly um, integrity um, and morality that actually guides 
whether we do the right thing or the wrong thing in the world. So he he gives us an, an example of how Jesus, who probably had read that passage from Ezekiel, actually takes this whole thing that Ezekiel wrote about to the next level and says that what Richard is saying is that this business of punishment and reward actually resides in the individual and not in the group. Although the group would have to have moral you moral people representative in it in order to act on it. So it's not just this ordinary, external, law-abiding uh, uh, response to, to life and to um, whether we take offence because somebody has disagreed with us or um, Disagrees, disagrees with our way of thinking about things or our, our attitudes and perceptions. Um, that really there's a stance to be taken here that uh, as individuals we follow what is right and we should not be thrown off course by people who seek to um, generate conflict by disagreeing with what, with what we believe and what we live. So this business of um, judgment being within us um, actually takes this whole thing, um, this human consciousness, uh, a step further. And if those, if you if you are wrong and negative now. If you have that inner kind of state of mind of negativity and um, attacking people, uh, causing conflict, then you will land up in Gehenna. But if you can exceed the holiness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will be in the kingdom of God now and later. So I think what he's alluding to there is that actually following your conscious consciousness conscience and um, your integrity and your mor- moral beliefs is not an actually not actually an easy thing to do so um, if you get that right then he puts you in the same sort of category as being the holy people the scribes and, uh, and especially the Pharisees because the Pharisees uh, they did they were just law abiding people they didn't go any further than that. They didn't take Jesus into their hearts and they didn't act according to their own um, belief, um, moral beliefs, if in fact they had any apart from the Jewish laws. So so what Richard is saying, um, and he's using Jesus as an example, is that we go through life, um, we will be much truer to God if we go through life acting on our inner disposition of love and peace and compassion in following in the steps of Christ, we will be a much bigger, a much more mature, much more developed Christian 
than the likes of the Pharisees who simply obeyed hundreds and hundreds of laws but never took Jesus' laws, to, uh, Jesus' ways to heart. Okay, I hope that makes a little bit of sense. I'll just, perhaps I can just summarize by saying, you know, we don't, we don't, we don't just, we can't just be good people and good Christians by obeying laws. Sometimes we need to um, actually take a step into our own moral infrastructure and judge a situation in a way that says, what do I feel is right here? And as a friend of mine once said that I've never forgotten in, in a situation, she said, what is the loving thing to do here when we were trying to decide about you know, a fairly complex problem? Um, so we should actually, as Christians, have built hearts and minds of integrity and compassion and love, integrity to the word of God, okay? The real meaning of the word integrity means parallel to. So if we have integrity in God, it means that we are like him and we walk in his way. So that wasn't much of a summary, but hopefully it shed a little more light. And I'm sorry if I've discombobulated your brain this morning. Uh, the starter prayer is uh, Creator God. Could it be true that you give me my human dignity and civic significance by asking so much of me? Do you respect me so much to hope that I could actually be like you? And I'd, uh, I'll read it again, but I'd love you to expand on that, and especially that last sentence, which is such a beautiful sentence. So I'll read it again. Creator God, could it be true that you give me my human dignity and significance by asking so much of me? Do you respect me so much to hope that I could actually be like you? Do you respect me so much to hope that I could actually be like you? Amen.